If this is your first time here or you haven't been here a long time, man, we are so honored that you would spend this time with us too. Anyone watching online, we're so thankful. Uh, if you're watching from Alaska, Arizona, Southern California, wherever you're watching from, even the East Coast, we are so glad that you are with us today. We are in the middle of a series and it's a series that we have no idea how long this series is gonna go. We are in part five of our series. And I'll tell you, in my, all the history of my ministry, I have never gone past six sermons in one series. I guarantee you we're gonna go past six. All right, so I don't know how long it's gonna go, but we are in part five of our series. The series is called The Worst Sermon Ever. The Worst Sermon Ever, and I'm hoping that's not this sermon, but it's based on the book of Ecclesiastes. So the actual full title is What We Can Learn From The Worst Sermon Ever, a study of the book of Ecclesiastes. And so what we're doing in this series is we're just going through from, from Ecclesiastes 1 all the way through 12, and we're just going kind of verse by verse, section by section, asking God to speak to us and teach us and lead us. So um, the reason we call this the worst sermon ever because Ecclesiastes, as many people uh, understand it to be, it's a very depressing book. It's a very... Um, it's not a very encouraging book, and for so many people, it's not one of the books we like to read on like an everyday basis. It's not, it doesn't make feel good. And so it, it would be kind of like, if I were to preach that sermon at church, a lot of you would be like, what was that? Like, are you okay? What's wrong with you? So that's why we're calling it the worst sermon ever. But I've been blessed actually for the past few weeks going through this sermon, going through the, the books and studying and, and, and listening to what Pastor Jonathan talked about the last two weeks. And so I'm excited for what, where God is going to take us, but I have no idea how long. So this Ecclesiastes has 12 chapters. Uh, we are in chapter 5 today, and I was hoping to finish whole chapter 5, but like last time, I got through two verses. Today's sermon is based on Ecclesiastes 5, 1 and 2, and that's it. Now, um, I hope you are excited to be here. I'm excited to share this message. I think it's really cool when we can dig deep into just a couple verses and to hear what God wants to say to us in those verses. Let's pray and let's get into the talk today. Father in heaven, I thank you so much for each person in this room today. God, I thank you, Father, what you're gonna do. Lord, I preach and share these words with expectation, Father. You are with us now, you are present. I pray, God, that you would attune us and turn us to look towards you, turn our ears towards you, Father, in your name we pray, amen. Now, I, uh, I joke around, um, I guess it's not really a joke, but something I like to share in this, with this church is I really feel like people in this church like sermons that are like really in your face, kind of hard hitting, slap you in the face, kind of a sermonic kick in the butt. Like people really like that. You guys love being challenged and I love that. I love that about you guys that I can share powerfully the word of God, especially when it's uncomfortable and challenging. And I really felt like chapter one and two or the first two parts of the series were like that. They're really in your face. Like I remember after chapter two, uh, after the, the second sermon, I talked to someone, they're like, thanks for making me feel bad today. Like it was one of those sermons where you leave just like, did I just guilt you the whole time, you know? But I, I love that people understand where I'm coming from and that you want me to preach truth to you. And I love that. Now, did you guys enjoy a nice break, the last two sermons? The last two sermons were not really like kick you in the butt, you know, what's going on and getting in your face. It was much more lighter. It was much more like, you know, teaching and understanding things. And guess what? Today is also like that. Today is not really like in your face. But next week, oh man, next week is like going to be very, very uncomfortable for some of us. So I'm just prefacing it. If you don't want to feel uncomfortable at church, don't come next week. 
Because to next week, we're going to be talking about some real stuff. Next week, make sure you wear closed-toed shoes because I'm stepping on toes next week. No sandals at church, man. It's going to get real, and it's going to get really uncomfortable. I warned you, okay? So know that next week, it's going to get pretty serious. Now, what, what the teacher of Ecclesiastes has been talking about from chapter 1 to chapter 4, he's been talking about a lot of different things. But there's two key ideas that you need to be aware of as we go into this, this message. Because if you don't understand these two things, you don't know what he's really talking about. So let me review real quick. There are two concepts that you have to understand. The first one is the word hevel, which is often translated as meaningless in the book of Ecclesiastes. He says everything is hevel, but he's not really saying something is meaningless. The word hevel actually means smoke or vapor. And so when the teacher in Ecclesiastes is saying something is hevel or meaningless or smoke, He's saying, number one, it's temporary, like smoke, and number two, it's confusing. It is not as it seems. In the same way that thick smoke or vapor looks solid, but when you try to grab it, you can't. Life is like that. It is temporary, and the things that happen to you are temporary, and they're very confusing. That's what he's talking about. The second concept that he talks about a lot in this book is the phrase, under the sun. Under the sun. And this simply means life separate from God. So he talks about this thing under the sun is this way. And he's talking about a life experience separate from God. He's talking about things and experiences and, and things that you notice and see and you observe that, that are separate from spiritual values and separate from spiritual perspective. It's life outside the kingdom of God. So not everything he says is like, this is how it's supposed to be. He's simply saying, this is what it's like when you have life outside of the kingdom of God, separate from spiritual values, separate from spiritual perspectives. So in Ecclesiastes 1 through 4, he's talked about things like how he searched for meaning in, in wisdom and bettering himself and bettering his life. And that was, that was hevel, that was meaningless. He talked about how he was searching for meaning in pleasure and feeling good. And he was like, that's meaningless, that's hevel, that's smoke and vapor. He talked about our, his work and accomplishments, which was, it was, it was huge. He did so much, yet he's like, that's hevel, that's smoke, that's vapor. I don't really know about that. He talked about things like relationships. He talked about things like seasons of life where like things happen in life and it's, 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 it's seasons for, for all these kinds of things. He talks about how we have no control in our lives. And he talks about community and friendship and relationship. But until now, he hasn't addressed your relationship with God, or our relationship with God. In Ecclesiastes chapter 5, the teacher finally turns the point, turns the page, and says, okay, let's talk about you and God now. And so he teaches us something really, really important about your relationship with God and my relationship with God in the first two verses of Ecclesiastes chapter 5. So let me read that. The first part of chapter, one, chapter 5 verse 1 says, guard your steps when you go to the house of God. Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. No one really talks like this, right? So let me explain what this means. The word used that's translated as guard, it simply means in Hebrew, be careful. Be careful. Don't just like, without thinking, just go to the house of God. Be careful how you come before God. You need to think about it. You can't just like run. You can't just like, without thinking, just, just do whatever you want. You need to be mindful. You need to be careful. Another word is prudent. You need to be wise about your approach when you come to the house of God. Now, when we think about that, when we hear that, I feel like where our minds, most of us go, is we're thinking about like how we are physically to be when we go to church and we go to God. Like we gotta be quiet, we gotta be reverent, 
We got to be respectful. You know, no running around in the sanctuary, no jumping on the pews, which is all true, right? Like we need reverence. We need respect for God. Like he's God, we're not. So we need to respect his house, right? Don't throw trash. Don't throw litter on the floor in the sanctuary. Pick it up, right? Like, like these, these physical manifestations of reverence and respect, which, yeah, definitely we need those things. But that's not what he's talking about. When he says be careful about how you approach God, he's not talking about a physical thing. He's not talking about a physical posture. He's talking about an attitude. Be careful of your attitude when you come before God. He's talking about a mentality. He's talking about a mental approach. He's not talking about a physical posture and how you should stand or if you should bow or if you should walk or if you should run. He's talking about, if we can say, a thought posture. Where is your mind? Where are your thoughts? Where is your attitude when you come to God? Now, if you think about that, that could be a whole bunch of different things. Like, what's the right mindset to come before God? How am I supposed to be thinking? That's huge. And, and thankfully, he answers the question. So he says, guard your steps when you go to the house of God. Go near to listen rather than to offer, offer the sacrifice of fools who do not know that they do wrong. Go near, go to God to listen rather than to offer the sacrifice of fools. And so he explains, what is the sacrifice of fools? Go near to listen, rather than offer the sacrifice of fools. The sacrifice of fools, he explains it right after. He says, do not be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 2. In other words... The thought posture, the mentality, the approach that he wants us to have as we approach God is not where you're crawling on your face and you're tearful and you're weeping, you know. He says the right approach, the right mentality, the right thought is to come quick to listen and slow to speak. To be careful when you approach God means to come willing and ready to listen rather than Speak. Come willing to listen rather than tell God what you want and what your demands are. He says this is the sacrifice of fools. Fools come to God and say, God, thank you for everything. Here's what I want. Here's what I need. Here's what I struggle with. Here's how you can fix it. Here's when I want you to fix it. He says the fool sacrifice and comes to worship in that way. They come quick to speak and slow to listen. They come quick to tell God what their demands are and their thoughts are and their struggles are and their wishes are. But the wise come to the Lord, come to the house of God, come to worship, quick to listen and slow to speak. Now, if you think about it, this is great advice for just anything, right? This is great advice just for everyday life, for you to live your life quick to listen slow to speak. I bet you if you think about the conflicts of your life recently, if you were quick to listen and slow to speak, it wouldn't have been as bad. I bet if you think about the fight you just had with your spouse, with your kids, if you were quick to listen and slow to speak, things probably would have been better. Maybe you wouldn't have gotten to the argument you got if you were just quick to listen and slow to speak. There are mistakes that maybe you made at work or, or you recognize that other people made mistakes and it was simply because people did not listen and they were just ready to say their thing. And they weren't really paying attention to the details or, or the important facets of the project or whatever. 
I think we understand that in, in, in all areas of life, it's a really good idea to be quick to listen and slow to speak. Professionally, relationally, just everything. Just quick to listen, slow to speak. Because, you know, you miss out on a lot if you are, are thinking about what you're going to say while someone is talking to you. Like when you go to a mentor or a boss or someone who knows more and has experienced more, if you're quick to speak and slow to listen, you're going to miss out on some, some great wisdom, some great advice, some great teachings. You're going to miss out when you're in relationship and you, you're having issues with someone. You're going to miss out on peace and reconciliation because you're just not listening. So in, in just like everyday life, life under the sun, it's great advice to be quick to listen and slow to speak. What, do you, what have you missed out on because you were quick to speak and slow to listen? Like what in your life have you missed out because you, you weren't really thinking, you weren't really listening? But, but how much more, let me ask you guys this. If we miss out on a lot just within human relationships because we're quick to speak and slow to listen, how much more are we missing out when we come to God quick to speak and slow to listen? What blessings, what teachings, what guidance, what, what are we missing out on? Because we talk too much. And this is like very challenging for me because this is what I do for a living. I come up here and I talk and I talk and talk. Sometimes I talk all day long and I get home and I'm like, wow, I talk a lot today. I do a lot of talking. And so this is challenging for me to think, Chris, you can't just talk. You need to listen. You're missing out on amazing opportunities and learning important things because you're quick to speak and slow to listen. It is unwise within human relationships and life under the sun, it is unwise to speak too much and listen too little in the presence of people in your life who are more experienced than you, who know more than you, who have greater wisdom than you. It is unwise to do that. But when it comes to God, here's what I want you guys to understand. It is absolute foolishness to speak too much and listen too little in the presence of God. It is foolishness and it is to your detriment to come before God quick to speak and slow to listen. This is what the teacher is saying. This is what he wants us to understand in these very two ver first two verses. But this is really challenging because how many of us have prayed quick to listen and slow to speak? How many of us, when we pray, actually we are quick to speak and slow to listen? Right, most of us, our prayers are characterized by the fact that we are quick to speak and slow to listen. When you pray, when I pray, the first thing we do is we talk and talk and talk and talk. We say and say and say and say. We speak and speak and speak and speak. Do we ever, and I'm including myself, do we ever give God the chance to speak? Do we ever in our prayers build in a time for listening? Whatever that looks like. We'll talk about a little bit about what that looks like later. But I feel like we are missing out when we come to God constantly so quick to speak and so slow to listen. When you approach God, be careful and don't be like the fools who just talk and tell God stuff. Come and listen. Now, there's something really powerful here that we need to bring to the surface. It's an underlying principle and an underlying truth behind what he's saying here. And I think this is really, really powerful. And it's something that you know, 
but most of us take it for granted. Here's what I want you to understand with this truth. He's saying, be quick to listen, slow to speak. The only reason he can say that, the only reason he is teaching us today, the only reason he wrote that down, that we need to be quick to listen, is because of the truth that God speaks to his people. Okay, let's not forget that. That is huge. God still speaks to his people, meaning God has something to say to you. He actually does. He actually does. He is not unmoved. Your life is not irrelevant. He is not apathetic. He has something to actually say to you about your life. He does. He does. He has something. If, if he didn't have anything to say, if he was a silent God who is far off and never interacted with his people, the teacher would not have taught that. That wouldn't make sense. He says, no, we got to be quick to listen because God is actually trying to speak to you. He's actually trying to say something to you. That is amazing. That is amazing. In fact, so many times people look to God and look, to, look towards idols wanting response, wanting words, wanting communication, and would receive nothing. But God is a God who speaks. God is a God who is alive. God is a God who is living, and he wants to speak and say something to you. God has something to say to you. He has something to say about the fight that you had last week. He has something to say about the fight that you had last month. He has something to say with the, about the conflict that you're dealing with in your life right now. He has something to say about the decision that you're trying to make. Some of you guys, as you are in the value decision, you're weighing these really, really important things. Guess what? God actually has something to say when it comes to that decision. God has something to say about your past. Some of you guys, when you look at your past, you have a particular impression or thought or feeling of guilt and shame when you look at your past. God has something to say about your past. He has something to say about your mistakes. God has something to say about your regrets. God has something to say about your future. He has something to say about what's going to happen tomorrow. He has something to say about the hopes and plans and dreams that he has for you. He has something to say about the hopes and plans you have for your own life. He has something to say. But are we listening? Or do we just go to God and tell him, this is what I want. This is my hope. This is my dream. Can you please make it happen? But he's like, wait, I got something to say. And then we move on. He has something to say about your life. He has something to say about the pain that you are feeling right now in this moment. The pain that is eating you up inside. He has something to say about your pain. He has something to say about your regret. He has something to say about the confusion that you are feeling, the confusion that you don't have, the confusion in your mind and in your heart. He, God has something to say about the fear and the anxiety and the depression that you are struggling with. He has something to say. God wants to speak into your life. He does. And I know like that's something that we, we hear and we talk about, but we forget it. But this is huge, guys. Can you think about how powerful it is that the God of heaven and earth wants to say something to you today about something you're dealing with? He has something to say. But so many times we're too busy talking, we're too busy praying, we're too busy preaching to actually hear 
what he has to say. We're too busy rationalizing. We're too busy preparing and we're too busy planning to sit for a moment to hear the something that God has to say to you. But I just think, and I just think, and, and maybe I'm assuming too much about you guys, but I'm just assuming that if you knew that God had something to say about your life or about your past or about your future, about whatever, you would want to hear that. I feel like you would, right? You would want to hear the voice of God in your life, however that comes. You would want to know what God has to say to you. And that's where this message is coming from. Like if we want to approach God, if we want to, we need to take time to simply sit and listen something to say. I don't know what it is, but you coming here today in this place of worship, he has something to say. And the right approach, the right thought posture, the right mental mentality when we come before God in church or prayer or small group or whatever is to come not to tell, not to demand, but to listen and to hear from God. He's got something to say to you. He's got something to say. And listen to what God says about his own words, okay? Listen to what he says about the power of his own words. It's in Isaiah chapter 55. He says, As the rain and snow come down from heaven, and do not return to it without watering earth, the earth and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the, for the eater. Or like rain and snow come down and it, it, it nourishes the earth and it gives water and hydration and then things grow from it. He says, just like that. Just like that, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. In other words, God's word changes things. God is confident that if we would just listen, that his word would change us. His word would change the way we think about the situation that we're in. His word would go forth. And if we were to sit long enough to hear and listen, we would be changed. I want you guys to understand something about this. Why is it that God, why is it that the teacher is saying to us, let's be quick to listen and slow to speak? Why is that? And I want you guys to understand, God does not want you to be quick to listen because God is lonely. You know, back in the day when I was in seminary, I remember Tracy and I, we, we got married in 2009, and then I went to seminary in 2010. How many of you guys have been to Berrien Springs, Michigan? Okay. I'm sorry that you had to be there for any moment of time. Um, and for those of you guys who've never, don't. It's okay. You're not missing much. So I went there to Berrien Springs, Michigan, right? It's my first time, like, living in the Midwest. Cornfield, I was like, Wow. People actually live like this. This is crazy. I've only seen this in the movies, and it's kind of scary, right? So we go to Barron Springs, Michigan. I go there. You know, I start school, and Tracy and I, we, we're not, we don't have any kids yet. We've married for about a year. And, you know, in my mind, I was like, I don't need friends. I don't need friends. So I go to class, and I, like, learn stuff, and I sit in the class, and then I just go home right after. I never talk to anyone because I'm like, I just got married, and I just want to spend time with my wife, my wonderful, beautiful wife, and, like, that's all I need in life, right? So I would go to class, come home. Go to class, come home. Never really talked to her. Never really built any friendships. And so basically for, like, an entire year, the only person that I really talked to was Tracy. And y'all know 
how that probably is going to end up when all you do is talk to just one person or your spouse. And I remember that, like, I didn't know this. I didn't feel this. But I remember a friend of mine came to visit. And they called me out and they're like, hey, let's go have dinner. So we had like a little couple date, a little double date. And we got together and I talked the entire time. The entire time. I was like, hey, how's it going? Cool. Well, you know what? Da 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 da. Let me tell you about my life. Da 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 da. Let me tell you about what I learned. Da da da. Like, I just dominated the conversation. I dominated the conversation. Why? Because I was conversation starved, right? Like, I needed somebody to talk to that was not my wife. And I just, like, blah, 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 this whole time. And then afterwards, we're driving home, and I was like, I have a headache. Why does my head hurt? Why does my jaw hurt? That was weird. That's strange. I drank enough water. I don't know why. And she's like, do you not realize that you talked the entire meal? I was like, no. I did? She's like, yeah. You talked the entire meal. Because I was conversation star. Here's what I want you to understand. God is not conversation star. He does not want you to be quick to listen because he has nobody to talk to. No, no, no. God wants you to be quick to listen, not because he's lonely. He's in the Godhead. He's in community. He's in Trinity. He's not lonely. God does not want you to be quick to listen and slow to speak because he's like power tripping, you know? He's not like insecure where he's like, I need people to listen to me. And if people talk over me, I feel bad and uncomfortable. I don't like that. That's not what God, this is not a power trip on God's part. He's not trying to demand this from you. He's not trying to show his, his dominance over you. So it's like, you better be quiet when I talk. No, 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 no. I want you guys to understand this. The reason, the reason God wants you to be quick to listen and slow to speak is because God wants you to be quick to healing and transformation. You get that? It's not to be like, I'm God and you're not, so you better listen. No, he knows that his word will come, go forth and not, not, not make an effect. It will change things. It will transform things. So he's like, guys, can you be quick to listen because I have something to say and if you could just accept it and believe it and listen to it, you're going to be healed. You're going to be saved. You're going to be transformed, right? That pain that you're feeling like, I, if you would just let me speak into it, I can do something about it. So just be quick to listen. I know you don't have to keep telling me that you're in pain. I know, and I want to say something to you. So will you just listen? He wants you to be quick to healing and quick to peace and quick to freedom. He wants you to be quick to overcoming. He wants you to be quick to victory and quick to perseverance. That's why he wants you to be he wants you and me to be slow to speak and quick to listen. Because he wants to do something in your life. So I want you to think about your posture today and where you are right now. And yeah, you're like, yeah, I'm listening right now. No, no, no. You're not, you might be listening to me preach, but are you listening to the Lord? It's a different thing here. God may be speaking something to you that has nothing to do with what I'm talking about right now. God may be speaking to you about something and trying to impress in your minds or tell you something or challenge you or encourage you, and it may be completely different than what I'm talking about right now. Are you listening to him? You are allowed to ignore me if you're listening to God. He wants to do something in your life, and he wants to do it through the power of his word. Now, he continues and explains kind of like why behind this, kind of like the dynamic behind this and what makes sense. And at first, it sounds a little bit like rough. 
and kind of mean and kind of like in your face, but it's actually really, really beautiful. So he, he said this earlier in chapter five, verse two. Do not be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. God is in heaven and you are on earth. So let your words be few. Right, so it, it kind of sounds like he's saying like, Dude, God is God and you're not, so you just keep your mouth shut. That's kind of what it sounds like he's saying. And to a degree he is. To a degree he is saying that. Like, let's recognize that there's a huge gap, right? Like, you don't, you don't meet Steph Curry and tell him how to shoot three-pointers, right? Like, you just be silent in his presence as he's shooting three-pointers. You don't say anything. You don't go to Nadal or Charles Bong and tell him how to hit a forehand, right? You don't say anything. You just let him do his thing and you just watch and learn. So, like, yeah, there's an element of that. There's an element of, like, yeah, God is God and, and you're not. So let's just, let's just, let's just keep it down. But when we dig a little deeper, this is way more beautiful than simply that. Because what he's saying here is he's saying, I want you to acknowledge that there is this huge gap between you and God. Right? We, we, we understand that. Like there's this unfathomable gap. There's this unfathomable, unimaginable chasm between us and God. Absolutely. And so when we come to God listening, slow to speak and quick to listen, we are recognizing that gap. We're saying, yeah, 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 yeah. God, you're God. I'm not. So I, I'm just going to be quiet. But there's a beautiful tension in that as well. Let me tell you what I mean. There's this beautiful tension and two very opposite ideas in this act and moment where we come to God to listen. Because we come to God and we recognize and we respect the reality of this gap. But at the same time, the only reason we are quick to listen, the only we, reason we are listening is because on the other side of that gap is a God who is trying to speak to us. The reason why this is powerful is because we recognize the gap, but at the same time, we understand the truth and we understand the promise that God wants to traverse that gap, pass through that gap, pass over that gap so he can speak into your life. We recognize that there is a gap, and in that same moment, we recognize that there is a God traveling through that gap to be with you and speak to you and be in your life here and now. There is this tension and when we come before God and we listen, we recognize that. But we also recognize that God is, not, God is not okay with that gap. That God wants to pass it and he has passed it and he has crossed it. And he wants to be present and active. And he wants to speak into your life and give you guidance and challenge you and encourage you and change you and transform you. So here's what, what I want you guys to understand. When we come to God seeking to listen... We're not coming to God waiting for good advice. We don't come here to church and sit there and be like, okay, God, what do you got for me? It's not that. It's not God. What do you want me to do? Give me some advice. Give me some wisdom. No, 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 no. It's more than that. We listen to God, not because we're seeking good advice or because we're seeking encouragement or because we need to feel good or because we need to be inspired. When we sit and listen and are quick to listen and slow to speak, what we are doing is we are recognizing the gap, but also recognizing the God who crossed that gap. In that moment when we listen, we worship. That's the thing. When we listen and we come to God with a spirit and a heart of listening, we are worshiping. Because we recognize the gap, but we recognize the God who has crossed the gap. And we rejoice in the fact that the God has passed through and passed over that gap and is coming into our lives. 
Now, there are some of you guys, when you're hearing this, you're like, that sounds great, but I've never heard God. There's many people probably who are like, I've never heard God. I don't, I don't know what he sounds like. And you're telling me he's speaking into my life, but I've literally never heard it. I'm 40 years old, 50 years old, I'm 20 years old, I'm 15 years old. And in my entire life, I've never heard, I've never understood, I've never sensed, I've never felt the voice of God in my life. And there's a lot of, pe- lot of you who feel that way. And I, and, I, and I understand that, I acknowledge that, and I know where you're coming from. And so you're like, how is this helpful for me? I, I don't know what God sounds like. When I hear things or I think things, usually that's me or that's my, my wife or that's my kids or that's my husband or that's the podcast I listen to or that's you. You know, like, it's not God. How am I to know if what I'm hearing, how am I to know the voice of God if he really is speaking to me in my life? And I just want to share two points as we close. For those of you guys who struggle to hear the voice of God, you're not really sure if you know the voice of God. If you feel like you've never heard God before in your life, here's what I want you to know. Many of us do not know the voice of God because we never actually follow the voice of God. Many of us do not know the voice of God because we've never actually followed the voice of God. The most practical way To recognize the voice of God is to actually start following the voice of God. You will not know the voice of God until you actually start following the voice of God. You guys with me? You guys understand? If you hear the voice of God and never do anything with it, if you feel like God is calling you to do something or telling you to stop doing something and you ignore it constantly, you will never ever be able to say, I know what God sounds like. But as you begin to follow the voice of God and obey the voice of God and do what he says or stop doing what he said to stop doing, or when we start responding to the voice and the commands of God, you begin to recognize the voice of God. So if you've never heard the voice of God, I have one piece of advice for you. Start trying to follow the voice of God in your life, even if you're not sure. Even if you hear something or sense something, you're like, that might be God, do it. Just do it. God will make sure that the things that you follow and obey are his voice. I believe that. If you have a heart to say, God, I want to follow you, but I don't really know if that's you. So next time I have that sense or I feel like I'm hearing from you, I'm just going to do it. God will honor you. And as you begin to, little by little, with doubt and fear, but also with a little bit of faith, as you begin to follow the voice of God, you will begin to recognize the voice of God. That's the most practical way to do it. I'm sure there's other ways that I'm not really 100% sure about. I don't have a lot of conviction to share that with you. But one thing that I know is for sure, if you begin to obey him and follow the voice of God, you're going to start being able to recognize his voice in your life. And you're going to know, like, oh, that's, that's what he wants. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because last time, when I sensed that, I did it, and look what happened, and, and look, how, look what I experienced, and it was challenging, but it was good, or whatever. Like, I can see how God was speaking to me in that way. And you can look back, and you say, ah, oh, I see God's hand in that. So the next time, you build up the evidence, you build up the experience to recognize the voice of God in your life. So if you want to hear the voice of God, start following the voice of God. And the last thing that I want to say to you guys that, that leads me to have so much conviction that God speaks. And to where I want to close with. The reason I know that I know that God speaks is actually not necessarily a verse in the Bible, but it's an event 
The reason why I know and have full confidence that God wants to speak to you is because of the cross. The cross would not be there if he didn't want to have a relationship with you. In the cross is, is the event where the gap was crossed, the chasm, the gap that was sin that separated us from him. That's when he crossed that gap once and for all. The cross is the event where that chasm that was death, that separated us from him, that's where he crossed it and passed through and traveled and journeyed through once and for all so he could simply be with his people. The cross is the event that proves to me that God wants to say to something to you. You know, Romans chapter 8, verse 31 is a really popular verse. Some of you guys are like, I don't know what that is, but that's okay. If once I say it, you'll be like, yeah, I heard that. Romans 8, 31 is a very popular verse. It, like, it gets put on mugs and t-shirts and stuff like that. And Romans 8, 31 is the verse that says, if God is for us, who can be against us, right? Powerful, powerful verse, right? Lots of love. But for me in my personal life, it's Romans 8.32 that has been way more meaningful for me. 8.31 is awesome and that's like, God is for me, who can be against me, wonderful. But it was, it's Romans 8.32 that really helped me a lot. And let me read that to you. Romans 8.32 says this, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? In other words, if Jesus would die for you, if God would send his son to die for you, you think he's not going to speak to you? If God would die for you, if he would send his own son, if Jesus was willing to die for us, will he not also with him give us all things like a meaningful relationship, like words of advice, words of encouragement, words of guidance, words of challenge, words of rebuke to change and transform your life? Would he not do that if he was willing to die for you? It doesn't make sense that he would be willing to die for you and then just forget you. Like he didn't die for you and then give you the silent treatment. That makes no sense. Who would do that? Jesus did not save you and forget you. Save him and forget him. No, 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 no. It would not make any sense for him to die for us on the cross and then stay silent. That's why I believe that God has something to say to you. Because on the cross, he proved that he has something to say to you. And I don't know what that is, but we need to take the time. Every time we engage with God spiritually, either in church, in worship, listening to a praise song, going to small group, having a spiritual conversation, watching a YouTube video, listening to a podcast, in those moments, I want you to approach God quick to listen and slow to speak because he wants you to be quick to healing, change, and transformation. That's what the cross declares. That's what the cross shows us. He has something to say to you. So as we close our, our, our sermon today, I think it's appropriate that we just take some time to just have silence. So I'm gonna ask the praise team to come up and as they kind of get set, settled, I, before we begin the last song, I, I think it's appropriate that before I end with our closing prayer, as we've talked about trying to listen to the Lord, I think it's appropriate that we just kind of sit and settle and allow Him to speak in whatever way. And I really want you guys to pay attention. Pay attention where He leads your mind and where He leads your thoughts. Pay attention to the ideas that come up in this moment. 
So this time I want to invite you guys to close your eyes just for not to be distracted by other things. And let's just sit. Let's just simmer in this moment. I'm going to start us off with a prayer and I'm going to give us some time of silence to listen. Father in heaven, we want to come carefully to the house of God. We want to come thoughtfully to the house of God. And as you've taught us in these two verses, Lord, we worship you and recognize the gap that is between us, but we also worship and recognize and rejoice that you are God who crossed that gap and you have a word for us today. And I don't know what that is. But Lord, we want to be careful how we approach you and we want to give you this time to speak. So Father, with every eye closed and head bowed and hands folded or whatever, Lord, we're listening. So Father, speak to us in whatever you need to say. Help us to hear Help us to understand. We'll give you, well, I just have some time now to listen. Father in heaven, I know this was a short time and I know that we need a lot of time, Lord, to, to step back and, and quiet down enough to listen. But I hope, Father, in your mercy that you spoke to someone today in, in whatever way. And God, help us to remember that challenge, Lord. If we want to hear your voice, we've got to follow your voice. If we want to recognize your voice, we've got to follow your voice. If we want to understand and know that it's you, we've got to obey and do what you've called us to do. And by doing, the, doing so, we build faith, Lord. So, Father, whatever message, whatever words or thoughts came out before our church today and the people in this room or the people watching, I pray, God, you would give us the courage and the discipline and the desire to follow through. And by doing so, may we take one step closer to really hearing your voice in our life. God, thank you for being a God who wants to speak to us today. Lord God, I pray that you be with us in this moment, but especially be with us after this moment. Let us not forget what you've said. Let us engage you with our ears and with our hearts, listening to you in every moment. In your name we pray. Amen.